This is the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast, episode 48. You're listening to the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast, the number one resource for running a profitable home recording studio. Now your hosts, Brian Hood and Chris Graham. Welcome back to another episode of the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast. I am your host, Brian Hood, and I'm here with my amazing, smart, talented, beautiful, cute smile. Go on. Go on. Wonderful personality. Co-host, Mr. Chris Graham. Chris, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm better now. Thank you. I needed that. (laughs) (laughs) How are you? I'm doing pretty good, man. I just closed on a property that I had been building over the last year and a half, and it's been on the market for about six months. Finally sold, finally closed. Everything's done. I'm out from under it. I feel so happy now. Weight off my shoulders. Fun project, but I will not be building a new house anytime (laughs) soon to sell. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, congratulations on uh, getting an enormous check. Yeah. So real estate has been my kind of side hustle here. And that brings us perfectly into the topic of this episode. And that is side hustles. What side hustles can you use while you're building your audio income? What can you implement to supplement your income whenever things are getting slow in your studio? We actually put a Facebook discussion up about this and we had a ton a ton of comments, almost a hundred or over a hundred. I don't know. We had tons and tons and tons and tons of comments of people weighing in. Some awesome ideas. We actually pulled some of those out for this episode to bring to you guys. And we have some of our own that we have that we think are going to be things that are both bad and good side hustles and some that will help develop skills that are very important as you're building your studio business. So there's a lot packed into this episode today. Totally. And I think you guys and girls are getting a lot out of this today. Yeah. So I think just to jump in right away, The initial hesitation I would have had listening to this episode if I were 10 years younger than I am now is I would have been like, what side hustle? Oh man, you're selling out. You need to just go all in and you know, oh, you're, you, you're, you're terrible if you do anything other than audio to make a living. And we just want to dispel that as bad. That's an awful idea. That's ego based, not wisdom based. Right now, there's a story that's been making the rounds in the news. It's been on every single news outlet that I've seen about this guy, Jeffrey Owens. Jeffrey Owens was Dr. Huxtable's son-in-law on the Cosby show in the 80s. Super famous, super recognizable guy. If you were watching TV in the 80s, you knew who this guy was, but his career has slowed down since the Huxtables, the Cosby show. So he's still an actor. He's still all about it. He's still all in. But he got a side hustle to help make ends meet in between acting gigs. Because acting, as far as I can tell, is sort of similar to audio and music in that sometimes you've got a lot of work and sometimes you have a little bit of work. So what Owens did was he got a job working at Trader Joe's. When one day somebody recognized him and took pictures of him without him knowing on their cell phone and posted it on the internet. All these news stories came out like, look how far they fall, you know, Jeffrey Owens, you know, from stardom to working at Trader Joe's, blah, blah, blah. And then, and this is awesome, there was a backlash that basically everybody jumped on of, what the heck is this crap? I think they used the phrase career shaming. Jeffrey Owens, at that point, got so much press and so much publicity from it, I think he now has a reoccurring job on CSI. He was on all the news outlets. So this is a really kind of current events story, this episode is, of talking about having a side hustle to make your dream happen, like my man, Jeffrey Owens. So the question I kind of want to lead in here is, if it's not working for you in audio, the solution might be to stick with it, but it also might be to supplement with a side hustle and do something that you don't love in order to do something that you do love full-time someday. I have to lead with this question. Are you passionate enough 
to do something you hate to eventually do something you love? That's a great question. And when you look at Jeffrey Owen's story, he was clearly passionate enough to do the Trader Joe's thing, which is not the most prestigious job in the world, in order to supplement his income between acting gigs. It ultimately paid off because he got a lot of free publicity. He got a recurring spot on the show and his acting career is probably going to have a little bit of boost from that. Totally. And not everyone's going to obviously have that lucky break, but at the end of the day, he was willing to do what it took to make ends meet while he was working on his acting career. He didn't just give up the dream altogether. He was willing to do what it took despite whatever shame society tries to associate with someone that's trying to work a side hustle while they're building their main passionate career. Yeah. So that's the thing we have to talk about. I think first and foremost is that embarrassment of having a side hustle. I think that it is something that you have to think about. You do have to consider what people will think if it comes out that you are the really expensive mix engineer or mastering engineer or whatever it happens to be, you know, here in town, but you also have a paper route. You have to make sure that your key customers don't see this as like that your services aren't devalued. That's true. It could potentially hurt your positioning as a premium service if that's the route you're trying to go. So there is definitely some stuff to consider here when you're looking at potential side hustles, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't take a side hustle on if it means being able to continue to build your audio career. 100%. So another important thing to look at when we're talking about side hustles is asking yourself, what sort of side hustles will build skills that you can use in your dream business? Skills like social skills, we've talked about on the show before, skills like salesmanship, skills like just general adulting. Can you show up on time? Can you do what you say you'll do by when you say you'll do it? There's a big opportunity to mature and grow and become the person that you want to be by having some sort of job that's part-time that helps you augment your income, but that also gives you a side benefit, which is increasing your skills to further your dream career. Absolutely. And so as we kind of move into the side hustles we have outlined for our show here, we have them in three sections here. The first of these three sections is non-audio related side hustles. Just starting out here, the most obvious side hustle is just what we have on our list, a part-time regular ass job. I worked at GameStop for three years while I was building my main passion career as a touring artist. That would be what I consider just a regular ass side job. It doesn't do anything to advance your skills in whatever you're trying to pursue as a full-time passion in audio. It doesn't really necessarily help you with that career. So we're just kind of lumping all of those normal, regular ass part-time jobs into that category. Every single person, the first thing you're going to think in your head is it just a regular ass part-time job. And then the rest of this episode is hopefully things that are outside of the box when it comes to making money on the side. Well, yeah, let's dive in. Non-audio related side hustles. So the first on our list is buying on Craigslist or garage sales and then reselling. So just looking for diamonds in the rough. Chris, tell us about that. Yeah. So this is awesome. This is in my blood. This is what my family is known for on my dad's side. Brian and I are both big fans of Gary Vaynerchuk, aka Gary V. And Gary V talks about this all the time. If you want to make money, go to garage sales or go on Craigslist, buy things that you know are undervalued, refurb them a little bit and resell them in a place of higher value. So that could be Amazon, that could be eBay, that could be reselling on Craigslist. Fun fact for the day, the word entrepreneurship is actually French, entrepreneur. (laughs) And what it essentially meant was to take something from a location of low value and transfer it to physically move it to a place where it was of higher value. That's cool. So 
So this is entrepreneurship at its core. It's really, That's a really fun fact. I didn't know about that. Yeah, it's like one of my favorite fun facts. And I get to say it comes from the French, which is my favorite thing to say on this podcast. <laughs> Anyways, you can buy something that's undervalued on Craigslist and find somewhere to sell it where it's higher valued. You might find, you know, some people buy cars in the South and then transfer them to the North in the United States and sell them in the North where they sell a little bit better and have less rust. So they sell for better prices. So this sort of like buy and then resell, there's a whole opportunity there to have a whole crazy side hustle. You know, if you have something where you know about, I don't know, magic, the gathering cards or baseball cards or, or what have you, you might be able to buy stuff cheap and sell it high and build a nice solid income. We talk about niching down in audio. All of those same rules apply to yes. this side hustle as well, because the more you know about one little specific area, that's your unfair advantage over someone else. So if you are the master at Magic the Gathering or Pokemon cards, or you have an above average knowledge of mid-century modern furniture, for example, and you refurbish that, or guitar amps, and you know a specific price range for a specific guitar amp, and you can buy low and sell high, or you can fix broken stuff. There's all sorts of areas that you can specialize in and dominate, and you're only searching for those one small little thing that you're buying and reselling. So this is just one of many areas you can do as side hustles, but the niching down aspect helps a lot here. So the cool thing here is this sort of side hustle gives you freedom and flexibility. It lets you decide, hey, I, I'm not sure when I'm going to be done with this project. I can pick this up once I'm done, and I can fill in the gaps between it. And this also can be fun. Like my mom and sister do this every weekend just for fun. That's awesome. They don't really care about making the money. They do make money doing it, but they just do it for fun and mother-daughter bonding time. So it's also something you can do on the side for fun and you just happen to make money with it. So my grandpa used to do, he was like Mr. Garage Sale. He would show up at a garage sale and he was smart and he knew what things were worth and he could say, oh, that's way underpriced. A lot of people do this with cars. They buy cars on Craigslist. They detail them, like just make them look really shiny and nice and then resell them for a whole lot more. That's a low-hanging fruit. It's just like in real estate, when people buy properties in distress, they're ugly and they just fix them up a little bit and then resell them at a profit. You can do the same thing with vehicles, although that's a lot more expensive than something like guitar amps typically. All right, so next on our list is, it sounds boring, it sounds dumb, but it's not, it's landscaping. Landscaping is something that pretty much anyone can do if you live in the right areas, obviously, and it can be seasonal. But this is something that if you want to build a little side hustle of income, go do landscaping for people. Rake yards, cut lawns, things like this. It doesn't take much skill as far as like learning a new trade. It doesn't take much equipment other than just, you know, a push mower to get started. Maybe a riding lawnmower if you want to do that. A rake if you want to do that. But this is something that helps teach you the importance of building relationships with people in your neighborhood or in your whatever community you're a part of and learning how to maintain relationships as you're getting paid for these jobs you're doing. It can also teach you about taking the relationship from this is a complete stranger to this is a customer who trusts you to perform a service for money for them. Yep. So if one of your problems running an audio business is you don't have enough courage to be aggressive and to go out there and meet new people, you'll learn it really fast in a business like landscaping and in many other businesses where in landscaping, you might literally go and ring doorbells. Like, That's true. Hi, I saw that your uh, lawn was a little bit long. I run a landscaping business. I could cut your lawn for you right now for X number of dollars. Yep, absolutely. Learning to get aggressive and bold like that. Hey, I don't know you, but I can provide value for you. What do you think? And oh, 30 is too much. I tell you what, I could do it tomorrow for 25. I've got a little bit of extra free time. So those sort of angles of getting comfortable existing within a free market 
doing deals with people, even small deals will help you in your dream career. So, and that's something we're going to try to do with each one of these ideas. Even if you're like, that's the stupidest idea ever. I would never want to do that. We're still going to try to inlay these little nuggets of truth. Even in landscaping, there's something that you can do that can benefit you. And it might be a different job. You might hear us spouting all these ideas and say, oh, wait, I could totally do X, Y, Z. And they didn't even talk about that. And I would have the side benefit of learning better skills I can apply to my career. Yeah, I'm going to give you one little quick tip with the landscaping thing, if that's the route you want to go. Go find an amazing fishing hole if you're trying to build this side hustle. And what I mean is, where are your ideal customers and go there. One easy way to do this is just to go to real estate meetups in your local area and meet landlords. A lot of people own dozens or hundreds of properties. And if you just have good relationships with one or two people, you can instantly have 30, 40, 50 properties that you're maintaining. Now that's a full-time job. I don't know if that's really the route you want to go, but it is an easy way to find a lot of work relatively quickly. I'm going to kind of go off down a little bit of a rabbit hole here. That's so cool. One of my favorite quotes of all time is from Miriam Webster, Mr. Dictionary. Is that Mr. Dictionary himself? Mr. Dictionary himself, the guy who wrote the dictionary. And he says, I love this. He says, if you take all my possessions, but leave me my words, I tell you, I will get all my possessions back. Ooh, such fire. So this sort of like, hi, my name's Chris. I could cut your lawn right now for X, Y, Z dollars. To be able to use your words to turn your labor into money is incredible. And it's a skill that absolutely applies to running a studio, let alone any other business on earth. Okay. So next on our list is bartending. This is something that's not going to be for everyone. Obviously, you got to be 21 or up and you have to have the skill of bartending. There's a lot of drinks you have to know, but the benefit of this side hustle honestly comes down to one thing, and that is social skills. Yeah. If you're a bartender, you pretty much are required to have social skills. You are forced to interact with dozens or hundreds of people every single night that depending on where you are, want to tell you all of their problems and want you to be their free counselor. I don't know if that's the case because I don't really go to bars. I don't even drink, but I know most bartenders that I know have great people skills. And so if this is an area you struggle, it might be worth doing part-time on the side as a side hustle just to get that skill down. Yeah, man, that's amazing because you think about like what a bartender does in a movie. And again, I'm with you. I'm not into the bar scene myself. Yeah. But as far as I understand it, you go to a bar and the bartender's like, hey, why the long face? And then, (laughs) you know, you open up and like, oh, my my girlfriend left me. But that ability that the bartender has to get the client to open up, if you don't understand that that's exactly what a producer's job is, is to get the artist to open up, to get raw emotion to come out while you're recording. That's the whole gig. It's true. That's how most people have made most of their money in producing is their ability to get an artist to be real and to record it while it happens. Yes, absolutely. That is a great point. So next on our list is network marketing. Chris, do you know what network marketing is? Because I don't believe Not a freaking clue. Yeah, I didn't think you did. Is it French? (laughs) It's French for making money. (laughs) No, network marketing is something that I actually grew up around. And I know you know what it is, Chris, because we've all heard of someone who was a part of some network marketing thing. Some of these are scammier than others. Some of these are better than others. Like Cutco? Yes, exactly like Cutco. So just to name a few off the top of my head, you have Cutco, you have... Amway, which my parents were part of Amway when I was real young. So I grew up in that world. That's hilarious that you say that. I didn't realize that's what they were called. But funny enough, one of my biggest regrets in life was I applied to be a salesman for Cutco when I was like 17 years old. I got all the way to the last interview and my mom talked me out of it. Wow. One of my biggest regrets in life is not doing it because what you do in Cutco is you literally go door to door and you try to sell these really awesome knives, kitchen knives. 
And it would have really grown me as a salesman and also as my social skills if I would have been forced to step outside of my comfort zone working for Cutco. So I really regret not working for them as a 17-year-old. So just to give everyone a quick list of network marketing companies, just to kind of clarify what this is in your head, because you've all known someone in one of these, Beachbody, It Works, Pampered Chef, Mary Kay, Amway, Avacare, doTERRA, which is essential oils. There's a lot more than that, but those are most of the big ones. If any of you remember like Tupperware parties back in the day when people used to sell Tupperware door to door, that's exactly what that is. This is a network marketing company. The reason they call it that is because you essentially are selling out your network to these companies. And that's why a lot of these have a bad name is because people get inside of a network marketing company. They go sell this to all their friends, usually in a sleazy way or a terrible way because they don't understand the proper way to sell. And then they stop doing it. That's 99% of people that do network marketing. There are a few network marketing companies that really help develop people. Cutco is one of those and help them learn real sales skills. And those are the ones you should focus on if you're going to go into this. Now, I don't really know the ones, you know, all of the ones that are like that, but if you were going to look into this, do it. The big benefit based on Chris's story, you've kind of gathered that the big benefit is it helps develop salesmanship, sales skills. It helps develop your social skills and it helps you get outside of your comfort zone. That's one of the biggest things that comes along with network marketing is getting out of your comfort zone. Most people never do that. If they're just stuck in their studio all day long, they don't know how to get out of their comfort zone. Well, let's talk about audio-related side gigs. I think these are the most desirable for us. They allow us to exist within our wheelhouse. Yep. They allow us to develop our audio skills even more. In some ways, they're better than a non-audio-related gig, but it depends on the non-audio-related side gig because you might develop character traits that might literally make or break it for you in the long run growing your audio career. What do you mean by that? If I had worked for Cutco, When I was producing for a living, I would have been so much better at producing for two reasons. I would have known how to talk to people and I would have known how to get more customers. I would have been so much more comfortable walking up to somebody and be like, man, that was a great set. Hi, my name's Chris. Tell me more about that last song you did. It's the getting out of the comfort zone thing. Most people are too scared to do that. Yeah, totally. From a courage standpoint, it would have probably been better for me as a young man to have a non-audio related side gig to get those skills to bring those into my audio career later in life. But If you got sick audio skills, there are plenty of side gigs that you can get that pay pretty well. And the side gig thing really is a math equation. You don't want to work for minimum wage. You want to find, obviously, the highest paying job that gives you maximum flexibility, maximum money. And when I talk about flexibility, I mean like the ability to work when you want and as much as you want. And also some enjoyment of some sort, ideally. Yeah. Or at least not hating it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So the first one on our audio related side hustle list is live sound. That's honestly one of the most obvious ones, because if you're an audio, especially in mixing, it's a skill you already have. Now, studio mixing does not always translate one-to-one to live mixing. It's two different worlds, but a lot of it does translate. And it's a lot easier to understand live sound when you already know studio sound. Yeah. Much easier to go from studio sound to live sound than it is to go from live sound to studio sound, in my opinion. I'm sure many would disagree. I would agree with that. Well, yeah, as far as the live sound thing goes... There are tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of bars looking for good live audio engineers. Especially in Nashville. All over the place. It is not very difficult to find a bar where if you are in the top 20% of audio engineers, that they will drool to have you do sound for them because it makes the experience so much more enjoyable for their customers, which means more people come, which means they sell more booze. So it's a really profitable employment for a bar to have a quality live sound engineer. And I tell you, this is right when I first got into recording. 
I was a live sound engineer at a coffee shop called Donkey Coffee in <laughs> Athens, Ohio. And it was one of the most fun jobs I've ever had in my life. And it was great. As a college kid, I was making, I want to say like 70 bucks a night to show up, do a show. I'd get home around midnight or so. And the shows were always great. I always enjoyed the shows. It was a blast. So, you know, doing live sound on the side, that's not an embarrassing gig. That's a fun gig if you enjoy audio. And there's the side benefit of being able to meet a ton of musicians. That is a big benefit, depending yeah. on which gig you take. Because if you're in another type of live sound, like live seminars, or you're doing events that are not, you're not really getting around your ideal customer, it's not really the same benefit. It still can benefit you in other ways. Another thing is church sound. We didn't really talk about that, but doing live sound for churches is a more steady gig. And not all of them are paid, but some of them are. It depends on where you go. Well, and on this conversation that we mentioned on the Facebook community, there was a guy named Victor who said that he had been doing a lot of freelance corporate AV. And he said something that was fascinating. Victor, I'm not going to try to pronounce your last name here because I'm sure I'll ruin it and be embarrassed. And that's my greatest fear in life. (laughs) (laughs) But Victor said, yeah, doing freelance corporate AV is awesome. I also happen to meet many clients by befriending the lighting and video people. That is super interesting. So Victor does these live sound events for corporate audio He meets the lighting guys who do tons of other events for normal bands, and that becomes a relationship that he can then leverage into more clients in the future. Super interesting. Good call, Victor. So live sound, we've only really talked about bars, but one of the things you need to be aware of is that there are a ridiculously large number of churches in America. Probably not quite as many in other parts of the world if you're listening outside of the States, but churches need sound guys really bad. And a lot of times churches will have just volunteer sound guys who don't know what they're doing. And many churches, especially sort of the more new, more modern, you know, mega churches, mega churches and production based. These are churches where they're trying to put on an incredible show. And that is really hard to do without a professional audio engineer. Absolutely. So Sunday morning, believe it or not, is a pretty decent time to be an audio engineer. If you are doing some live sound on the side, I know a ton of people who started their career doing live sound at church and leverage that into doing live sound somewhere else, which then leverage that into doing professional audio. Before we get into the podcast today, let me tell you a little something crazy about myself. I'm actually a psychic, and I'm going to prove it to you. You and I, we've probably never met, but I bet I can describe your business better than you can. Here's what my crystal ball says. You probably have no idea how to get clients other than waiting around for referrals and word of mouth. You're stuck in a perpetual cycle of feast or famine. So you have wild income swings from month to month. You're charging way less than you should and you know it, but you don't do anything about it. You feel like you have a million things you could be doing in your business and you have no idea what you should be focusing on. And you have tons of little half-built bridges leading to nowhere because you've jumped from thing to thing to thing as a dabbler. Am I right? Does this sound eerily similar to you? That's because I've been in your shoes and I've worked with thousands of freelancers who've also been there. So I'm not a psychic. My crystal ball is not real. I just have a really clear understanding of what freelancers are facing today. And if I can predict your problems, you can bet I actually have a solution to these problems. It's called client acquisition. We talk about this all the time on the podcast, but for some reason, freelancers still haven't really figured this out yet. This is why I created Clients by Design Coaching. It's a truly unique coaching program that helps you build your own client acquisition machine so you can break out of this feast or famine cycle that most freelancers never escape. So here's how our approach is unique. First, we do a deep dive on your business, we figure out what's missing, and we give you a complete marketing roadmap right from the start. So no more dabbling, no more guesswork, just a clear path to getting more clients. You always know what your next step is because we actually assign specific tasks to you. So instead of feeling overwhelmed, instead of feeling scattered, you can just focus on your next step. That's it. We give you unlimited feedback on everything you do so you can feel confident that every single step you're taking is the right one. 
and we hold you accountable. Not by nagging you, but just by genuinely supporting and cheering you on every step of the way. If you're behind on any steps we've assigned to you, we'll proactively reach out and see how we can help. Clients by Design is not a course. We look at it like a partnership. We'll always show up. We'll always give you what you need, but you have to be willing to put in the work. This program is not for everyone, and that is okay. As of right now, I just checked the numbers. We've only approved about 25% of the applicants we've gotten so far, and that's because we are selective. We only accept your application if we believe we can truly help you. So if you're ready to end your feast or famine cycle and build a client acquisition machine, you can apply for Clients by Design by going to sixfigurecreative.com slash coach. That's the number six, figurecreative.com slash coach. Now here's our show. All right, next in our list, giving lessons. This is something that is just taking the existing skill you already have and teaching it to someone else. Obvious. If you can play guitar, give guitar lessons. If you can play bass, give bass lessons. If you can play drums, give drum lessons. Not the most fun thing to do, in my opinion, but a lot of people in our community do this on the side for money. And this is a very flexible job that can bring in recurring work. Well, and reoccurring is the key word there. Like, it's amazing that you can say, hey, every week I have five people who take lessons from me. So I know I'm going to make about this much each week. Yep. As far as side gigs go, that's one of the most important components of a good side gig to help you build your career because a side gig that's consistent allows you to know how much money you need to make on your non side gig. That's really, Absolutely. really important. Yeah, having that floor, meaning. No matter what happens in my studio, I know I'm not going to make less than this because yeah. of my side hustle. Huge. That is that is huge. It can allow you to really take your audio seriously, I think, in many regards. Next on our list is radio, TV, and film. Now, this is a broad subject. I don't know a damn thing about it. Chris, you want to take this one? <laughs> I don't know a damn thing about it either, but I will say this. If you have an audio degree from a four-year college and a bunch of student debt, your chances of getting a job at a recording studio are very, very slim. Yeah, I talk about that on one of my most popular YouTube videos that's highly controversial. I still get comments to this day of like one extreme or the other. But yeah, going to audio school for your audio degree so you can work at a studio is idiotic to me, (laughs) in my opinion. And I'll just state that point blank. But if you're trying to go into radio, TV or film, absolutely go for it. Radio, TV and film, there are jobs all over the place for people that can do audio. It's going to look a lot different than producing a band if that's your dream. But you can walk into your local radio station or your local TV station and they might have a job. You literally might find it in a traditional means, like on a normal job board or a job website. And that's a regular gig. And if you can do it in a way where you have some flexibility, I had a friend that used to do sound for high school football games. They'd have an audio video truck roll up and he was in charge of putting microphones all over the stadium. And he ended up eventually doing like, I think, Bengals games. That's an NFL football team in Cincinnati, for those of you who don't know. But yeah, there's all sorts of opportunities to leverage your skills for being able to say, oh, that sounds good. That doesn't sound good. That's a valuable skill in radio, TV, and film when you're doing location stuff. Yeah. And if you want to kind of see this sort of story play out in action here in the real world, go listen to the Working Class Audio Podcast, uh, the recent interview he did with Sarah Carter. She's actually a member of the Six Figure Home Studio community, actually a member of the Profitable Producer course as well. But she talks about how she went from a job working as a mechanics assistant or whatever, working the front desk at a mechanic place for years and then completely switch careers by going to SAE and then using that audio degree to get a job at the BBC, which is a huge TV and radio network in the UK. That's awesome. And she worked there for six, seven years before she finally backed out and then is now doing her studio. But it's a cool story. So go listen to that episode. That link to that will be in the show notes at the sixfigurehomestudio.com slash 48. That's slash four eight. Yeah, she is super duper cool. Love her. 
Well, this last one we've got here is, in my opinion, not the best side gig because of how undependable it is. But for a lot of people, we've talked about this on the podcast before, composing, creating music for film, for video, for TV. If you've got some downtime and you have the skills to pay those bills, you can make music and sell the music that you have made in addition to working with other artists. Yeah, we have a whole episode about this. If you go back to episode number 36, the title is Sync Licensing, the Gateway to Passive Income for Audio Entrepreneurs. We interviewed the CEO of Soundstripe, a company here out of Nashville that does sync licensing subscription service. So they basically have composers that they hire on that write music for their platform and then they get paid for it. It's interesting. There's a lot of different ways that it works and we're not going to really go down that rabbit hole for this episode. But if you want to go deeper into this specific side hustle, it is doable. People do this. It is potentially as challenging or more challenging than building your damn studio. So I don't know if I would really count this as a side hustle, but some people do this as a successful side hustle. So it's worth mentioning and it is in the audio career. So go back to episode 36 if you want to listen to that and get a little more info. This last item on our list as far as different types of side hustles go is called sharing economy. Brian, what is the sharing economy? Yeah, the sharing economy is something that's really like that term. If you look in Google Trends, it's only been searched for in Google over the past probably four or five years. It's a relatively new term. And it's just all a part of taking something that already exists, that you own, an asset that you already have, and making money out of it. You've all heard of this. It's Uber, it's Lyft, it's Airbnb, DoorDash, there's Uber Eats. There's all sorts of different things. But all you're doing is taking a car, a house, your body, (laughs) and selling it in an ethical way, by the way. For Uber, there's a lot of our listeners that do Uber on the side. And the benefit of this sort of sharing economy is it opens up all sort of options as far as freedom. You don't have to work unless you need the money. If you need the money, you open up the app and you say that you're available to drive, or you say you're available to pick up orders, or you say you're available to X, Y, or Z, whatever the sharing economy thing is. There's so many of them out there now. TaskRabbit's one where you can just go do random tasks for people. There's, I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole of sharing economy type platforms out there, but the biggest benefit is if you're trying to build a studio and you have a bad month, you can immediately supplement that income doing something like driving for Lyft or driving for Uber. Yeah. And it's amazing because as far as everything we've talked about here, the sharing economy offers maximum flexibility. My brother recently began driving for Uber. He loves it. He loves interacting with people and meeting new people. He's got a nice car, so it works out great for him. What's so incredible about these sharing economy things is you download an app on your phone, you apply to do it on your phone, and relatively quickly, you get approved to provide these services and you get paid same day in most cases. This is amazing for our economy worldwide, that you could be in a situation as, say, a single mom, not have money for rent and say, you know what? I need cash. I'm going to go drive my car, pick up people. The app's going to tell me where to pick people up. The app's going to pay me and I'm going to pay my rent on time. That's incredible. And that is a seismic shift in our economy because before the only way that you could make money same day was by committing a crime. (laughs) So this is just a big, big deal. These sharing economy apps are absolutely incredible as far as helping you build a business on the side. If you have a studio, you are part-time now you're struggling to make ends meet some months, or you're trying to shift full-time, but you're still not stable, there is no excuse to not do something like Lyft or Uber. There's no excuse to not do some sort of sharing economy type experience because it is there exactly for that purpose of when slow times come in the studio. And aside from the fact that I always encourage people always have an emergency fund. So when you do have slow months, 
you have the money there as a buffer so you don't have to resort to something like Lyft or Uber. But at the end of the day, if you're trying to pursue audio full time, give it your all, but don't be afraid to fall back on Lyft and Uber when the times get tough. And if you're not in an area that doesn't have this, try to find some other sharing economy type thing that they have in your area because almost every city has something similar to this that you can start doing on the side just when times get tough. All right, so last but definitely not least on our list of side hustles that you can use to make ends meet while you're building your audio career or whatever we titled this episode, who knows what we'll actually title it. This is something that is extremely exciting because we get to announce it here on the podcast. No one knows about it yet. You're the first people to hear about it. This is something that is basically the shared economy, but allowing you to take your existing audio skills and make money on the side while you're building your studio. It's flexible. It allows you to do something you relatively enjoy, and it is much better, in my opinion, than driving Lyft and Uber. So what is that thing, Chris? Well, that is the new business that I've been working on for the past couple months. Let me tell you about it. Yep. First and foremost, what I see talking to you guys as listeners, one of the biggest blessings of the podcast has been interacting with you guys on Instagram and Facebook and the phone calls that I get, the emails that I get, and the tons of you that ended up hiring me to master your projects. It's been incredible. And all of you have said the same thing to me. What is the hardest thing about having a career in audio? And the hardest thing is gaps in your schedule. You might have four months, book solid, unbelievable projects, and then all of a sudden an artist cancels on you and you have a week of no paid work or a month of no paid work. And gaps are what kill studios. I've never seen a studio that shut down because it had too much work. Yeah, it's always things were great and then we just didn't have our schedule full enough. We had bills due. We didn't have enough cash. We had to close our doors. That's every story that I'm aware of of every studio that's ever closed their doors. So here's the thing. My biggest passion and what I love about this podcast is helping people go and stay full-time. And especially when someone says, Chris, I fired my boss. I'm going for it. That to me is the freaking coolest thing in the world. So let me tell you about this business that I've started. I need a lot of audio engineers, a ton of them for small, consistent, well-paying side projects. So let me tell you the story of this business. I can share where you guys come in and I'll do the big reveal and tell you what it's called and our motto and all that stuff. So here's the story. I've been a guitar player for about 23 years or so. Before I was a professional audio guy, I was a professional touring musician. So I'm pretty good at the guitar. I like it, but I've never been a great finger style guitarist. But about a year ago, I started taking lessons. I said, you know, I want to do something that's just for me. There's no long game. There's no angle. I just want to learn how to play better fingerstyle guitar. And I'm going to enjoy the heck out of this. It's going to be like a self-enrichment thing. So I started taking lessons with this guy, John Morgan, who is without a doubt, one of the best fingerstyle steel string acoustic guitar players in the world. He's incredible. Lives down the road for me. And what was so cool about it is I would go in, I'd sit down, I'd bring a song that I was working on. And I'd play it for him and he'd make a comment or a suggestion. I would then get to ask him a question and he'd give me an answer. And then I'd ask him a deeper question and I'd get a deeper answer. And we'd go back and forth until I got to what I like to call an aha moment. It was these aha moments that made the lessons the most fun thing. And I got better really fast because I wasn't like watching YouTube tutorials. I could have done that. I could have watched like Here's how to play James Taylor, Fire and Rain on acoustic guitar. <laughs> Great song, by the way. Yeah, incredible. So it was really, really fun to go deep with John. They get to these aha moments that were a couple layers of questions deep. Now, here's where it starts to get interesting and exciting for me. 
my son Joshua, he's my oldest, he's seven years old. And around the same time, he started playing with our home studio stuff. He would make up his own songs. He'd use free software to do it. And I would just sort of sit back and jealously watch him use GarageBand and free tools. And, you know, he had all these like loop making, beat making pieces of software. And I would watch this and just be like, man, I would have killed for this when I was a kid, when I was a teenager. How old is he, by the way? He's seven years old. And I had this sort of epiphany of like, man, I wish that I could get lessons for my son. I wish he could sit down with somebody else who uses the same software as him, who does the same style of music, and that he could get one-on-one lessons so that he could bring in a song he was working on, show it to the professional, get real-time feedback, and then ask a question, and then get an answer, and then ask a deeper question, and get a deeper answer, and then a deeper question until he got to a quote-unquote aha moment. So I was fantasizing about this and thinking, man, that'd be just the coolest thing in the entire world. And I started to think about all the people I've worked with as a mastering engineer. There's two groups of people. On the one side, there's professional audio engineers. There's guys that do it for a living who send me tons of projects each year. And on the other side, there are guys who do it for fun. Guys who have home studios, who the whole reason they have it is they want to record their own music. They want to make their own album. It's been a dream their entire life. And it occurred to me, that every single home studio owner that does it for fun, that's just a hobby, that I've ever met in my life, their dream service is what I'm describing. It's being able to sit down with someone that knows their software and their style of music that can give them real-time feedback on their songs and suggestions and even watching them mix it, watching them edit it, watching them add different instruments and watching them use virtual instruments, all the things that you do in your home studio, someone that can give them advice on how to do that better. And then it hit me. What would you call this service? Well, it's clearly a lesson-based service. Let's call it homestudiolessons.com. <laughs> <laughs> I know you love your literal URLs, Chris Graham Mastering, podcastediting.com or whatever we talked about before on the previous episode. You always use literal titles, so it works. I love the literal titles because it tells a story before you've even started talking. When I say homestudiolessons.com, you pretty much know what I'm talking about. If you see homestudiolessons.com and you see our kind of slogan here, which is treat your home studio like an instrument, get private lessons with pros at homestudiolessons.com. So that to me is really exciting. So here's how homestudiolessons.com works. From the perspective of a student, they have problems in their home studio. They have a song they're working on that the mix just doesn't sound right. They just can't get it to feel the way they want it to. They don't understand how to position a mic properly, you know, whatever it happens to be. They need help with production ideas. They can't get, let's say, a virtual instrument to sound just the way they want it to. So they go on homestudiolessons.com and they select from a dropdown the software that they use. So they might select Pro Tools or they might select Logic or Cubase or Studio One or whatever and say they are a jazz musician. So they'd select jazz as their genre, and it would sort all the audio engineers on homestudiolessons.com and show them which audio engineers specialize in their software and their genre. It also shows them reviews that previous students have left for each teacher. So the teacher with the best reviews will tend to float to the top, and it's sort of like Airbnb in this regard. You go on Airbnb, you put the criteria that you're looking for, and it shows you which properties are recommended by other people. So here's where you guys and girls come in on this. I'm looking for a bunch of audio engineers to help me build this business. I'm looking for people to teach the lessons to the students. 
My plan is to market the heck out of this to get a ton of home studio owners in and I need a ton of audio engineers as I build out this business. Here's the benefits of working for home studio lessons. One, it pays pretty well. I do a profit sharing thing and lessons pay about $36 an hour and up. So it pays really, really, really well as far as audio goes. It's flexible. You decide your own schedule and then you put gaps in where you want to do lessons. Students can then book the lessons within your gaps. And if you update your Google calendar, let's say you're at a coffee shop and you're like, yeah, I don't want to work the rest of the day. If you add a new event to your Google calendar, that will sync with home studio lessons automatically. And any potential lessons, you know, for a week, whatever you want to do will get removed from your calendar automatically. The other thing that we're working on is the goal ultimately is to pay same day. We want to take a page out of Uber's playbook here. We think it's amazing that we could give people a way to make money off their audio skills at the last minute so that they could say, shoot, you know what? I had a record fall through. I don't have any work for the next 10 days. I'm going to open my schedule up on homestudiolessons.com. I'm going to get a bunch of lessons. And then, oh, my next client came in. I'm going to block out my schedule for the next two months so that you can turn it on and off so that you can make money from your audio skills. Now, we're still in startup mode. We're coming out of stealth mode right now. I've got a couple people that listen to the podcast and a couple audio engineers that I trust that are teaching on here. We're still building things up. It is still very much a baby. But if it's something that you're interested in, go to homestudiolessons.com slash apply. Link will be in the show notes in case you can't figure out how to type out homestudiolessons.com slash apply. <laughs> so I am super ridiculously pumped about this business for two reasons. One, helping people make records on their own terms is the coolest thing in the entire world. When someone makes a record and there's no obstacles between ideas and recordings, that's the coolest thing in the world to me. That's only surpassed by the actual coolest thing in the world, people firing their bosses. So my hope with this business, and this is like the number one mission for me as the business owner here, is to help people quit their jobs and go and stay full-time in audio. I really mean that. That is a humongous passion of mine. That's why I do this podcast. So this is a perfect dovetail with the podcast in that I am jacked about helping people quit, helping people quit their jobs and go full-time in audio. And hopefully the dream here isn't that you would do homestead lessons full-time. Maybe you do for a little while, but that it's a stepping stone for you to use to build your own audio business. This is the ultimate side hustle for any audio engineer listening to the show right now. Like what kind of people are you looking for, by the way? Are you looking for audio engineers, mastering engineers, mixing engineers? Give me more specifics so people know what you're looking for. Yeah. Well, we're looking for people in every DAW. So let's say there are a lot of people that own home studios that use FL Studio. FL Studio is rough to use as a professional, but if you are really good in FL Studio, I can hopefully get you a ton of customers that want to take lessons from you in FL Studio. If you are really, really, really good at, say, cinematic music, you know, sort of orchestral background, really emotional stuff and you also use Logic, there are a lot of people that want to use that. So we're looking for people who have a niche, who have a specialization as far as software, but also specializations in genre. We're also looking for generalists. If you're the type of guy that's like, man, I own Cubase, Studio One, Nuendo, you know, you name it. I am awesome at all of them, and I'm pretty good in all genres. There's a space for that as well. But we're definitely looking for people that when someone selects a certain genre of music, and a certain DAW, that you are awesome at it, that you're a prodigy at that particular niche, which is that software with that genre. I just wanted to speak 
kind of openly and candidly here. I am super pumped about this. Yeah. I know how hard you've been working on this for, it's been more than a few months, by the way. I think it's been since January is when I had the idea. And it's been rough balancing mastering projects and trying to build out all the systems for this business. I've grown a lot as a result of it. But my excitement about helping people quit their job and being able to be like, what I built helped them make the jump and they can look back at that moment as integral to them having the career that they wanted. That's amazing. But also to think about how many people are out there with home studios that are trying to make the record of their dreams. They want to do it by themselves. They want to do it alone. They want to spend hours and hours and hours. They can't afford the studio. There's an opportunity to serve those people and to change their lives and for unbelievable pieces of art to come out as a result of that. My favorite records, almost all of them, were just somebody by themselves in a studio responding to emotion in their lives. So Bonnie Vare's first record, Sufjan Stevens, many of his records are the same way, where particularly his first, where someone just had some gear, figured out how to use it, and made one of the most beautiful pieces of art that I've ever heard. I want to help people do that. But first and foremost, I want to help people quit their job by giving them the opportunity to help people make the record of their dreams. So that is it for this episode of the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast. I am excited for Chris. I don't know about you guys and girls, but I think the idea is awesome. I think there's definitely a need for it on both sides, both from our listeners who are trying to transition out of their day jobs and go into audio full-time. So a good side hustle for a lot of you. And then for some of you even that are brand new and still struggling with the actual audio skills, I think this is a really good service for you as well to learn things directly one-on-one from other people in our community. And I know just from hearing Chris's voice, you can tell, A, how much he's passionate about this, how much he cares about this, and B, how excited he is to bring this to all of us. You know, some of the best businesses that I've seen are not just things that service the business. It's not just a greedy corporate entity that's trying to suck all the value from the world. Truly great businesses bring value to all parties involved. And I think Home Studio Lessons is going to be a win, win, win for everyone involved. It's going to be a win for the students who are learning from the professionals. It's going to be a win for the professionals who are earning money on a flexible schedule, doing something they already love to do. And it's going to be a win for Chris because he's going to build an amazing business that is going to hopefully change a lot of people's lives. So I'm excited for him to get this off the ground. Again, that link is in our show notes, but you can also go to homestudiolessons.com slash apply if you want to apply to become a teacher on his platform. If you have any questions, any input, anything related to this episode that you want to talk to us about, you can go to our show notes page, which is the sixfigurehomestudio.com slash 48 slash 48 for this episode. And there is a direct link to a Facebook discussion in our community where you can ask Chris and I any questions you have. You can give us any feedback about this episode. If you want to add your own side hustle ideas or you want to ask us anything about any of the side hustle ideas that we had, go to that Facebook community uh, discussion and leave a comment and we will both see it. Even if you comment months and months after this episode's aired, we are still tagged in that post and we will still see it. So go to the sixfigurehomestudio.com slash 48 and all the links from this episode as well as the link to that discussion is in there. Next week's episode is on a topic that I'm not sure about because we're recording that episode in about 45 minutes. So it's going to be a surprise for both of us. So until next time, thanks for listening and happy hustling. Whoa.